So how did you describe the heat wave that we just came through in the last week? I'm sure you've had many conversations about it like I did, uh, but probably you described it something like that was the hottest that it's ever been around here. That's what I said to my kids. I said, it's never been as hot as it is right now in Abbotsford, at least not since temperatures were recorded. You might have said something like, this is the worst if you were suffering and not able to sleep at night, or maybe if you really like heat, maybe there was one or two of you who said, this is the best. We love this kind of thing. Uh, My favorite stat was that the new Canadian world record for temperature, which was set in Lytton several times over the last week, is hotter than it's ever been in Las Vegas, which seems kind of mind-boggling to me. It's, It's the hottest that it's ever been. When we go through experiences like this or experiences similar to this, we tend to use superlative language. You know what that is? Superlative language is a way of comparing things in which we focus on the extremes. It was the greatest or it was the worst. It was the the best or it was the absolute worst. It was the most or it was the least. And this is the kind of language we often use when we describe experiences that we have, experiences that we find noteworthy. It's actually a part of the experience to describe them to other people and invite them to participate or not participate in them. Maybe you've had this kind of experience when you've been to a restaurant or had a certain dish and you've went away and told your friends about it and said, this was the best thing that I've ever eaten. I remember as a young adult, we discovered a restaurant in Rosedale that had a burger called the Rowdy Burger. And the Rowdy Burger was a picture of French loaf that's about this long. They cut it in half and then they put three giant burger patties uh, along it so that the middle one is actually overlapping with the outer uh, two patties and then they put whatever you want on it. And the challenge was, can you finish the Rowdy Burger because it's so big? And so as a young adult and as a late teen, I went several times. Sometimes I could finish it, sometimes I couldn't, but I told lots of people about it. This is the the greatest thing. You should go and have the Rowdy Burger, see if you can finish it. Or maybe you've been on a vacation or a, a particular spot that you went and you told people, this was the best vacation spot to go to. You should definitely check that out. Or maybe if you're dating and you feel like you found the one, you're describing your girlfriend or your boyfriend saying, they are so amazing. They are perfect for me. They, they are so kind and compassionate and so beautiful. Like this, the perfect person, you're describing them in superlative kind of languages. This is natural to us. We describe things in this kind of way. Things that we find remarkable, things that we find praiseworthy, we describe with these kind of glowing terms. C.S. Lewis actually says that, that the describing of these kinds of experiences completes the experience. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses our delight, but it completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment, for instance, that lovers keep telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. This is so even when our expressions are inadequate, which of course they usually are. But how, how if one could really and fully praise such things to perfection, to utterly get out in poetry or music or paint the upsurge of appreciation which bursts in us? then indeed the object would be fully appreciated and our delight would have attained perfect development. We, we naturally use this kind of praiseworthy language when we discover something that is good, something that is worth our praise. And this is what we find a lot in the Psalms, which we're studying this summer, this kind of language which is so effusive when it speaks about God because Uh, God alone is ultimately worthy of our praise. That's our main thought today. God is ultimately worthy 
of our praise. He is perfect. He is majestic. He is completely other. And all of his attributes, we can use superlative language. He is ultimately the best, the greatest at all of these different attributes. He is truly worthy of our worship and our admiration. C.S. Lewis uh, actually talks a little bit more about this. He says, actually, all of our expressions of appreciation and beauty for earthly things are actually appreciation of God behind our, our praise of experiences or things or even other people that are good is an appreciation of the God who created these good things. Whether we're aware of that's what we're doing or not, behind that appreciation is appreciation of the one who made it possible. So then God is, is correctly the recipient of our praise. When we praise God, we have identified the, the true uh, one who is worthy of our worship. Uh, Lewis says it this way, if God is the great object of admiration behind all other beauties and magnificence, then to praise and admire him would be simply to be awake, to have entered the real world, while not doing so would be to become far more profoundly crippled than those who are blind or deaf or bedridden. He goes on to say that this idea of praise and praising God is actually a symptom of inner health. He says, praise seems to be inner health made audible. This is a sign of, of, uh, of a correct inner, inner disposition towards God is to praise him. It's proper and natural for us to do so as believers in God. But here's the thing. I don't think many of us are very good at it. I don't think it actually comes very naturally to us to simply praise God. Uh, as a pastor, I have the privilege of praying with all kinds of different people in many different circumstances. And what I found, even in group prayer meetings, where, where the instruction is our praises need to be focused on praising God alone, those prayers very quickly turn into asking God for things. Help us, guide us, give us. And of course, we need to pray those prayers. There's a place for them, but we, we don't naturally linger on just praising God for who he is. And we miss something when we miss that attitude of praise. Because praise actually motivates the other kinds of prayer. If I, if I praise God for who he is and I have my perspective set on who he is, then confession becomes natural. Because when I see God, I become both uh, on one hand horrified and disgusted by my sin. I see it for what it really is. But I also am filled with hope that the God who forgives wants me to confess that sin to him and he will be merciful to me. I have the proper perspective on confession when I first praised. I also have the proper perspective on the world and what to ask of God in my world and in the world. Because when I praise God, I, I put my perspective on, on what, what he is about and who he truly is and what he wants to see happen in the world. And then my asking becomes an outflow of that, where I'm praying in line with what it is that God wants. And then I can yield to God. I can truly say to him, your will be done because I am settled in his character, in who he is and his goodness to me. Uh, Tim Keller tells a story of how he was preaching about this one time and kind of off the cuff, he said, praise should be first in our, in our prayers normally. You know, sometimes we have the, the off the cuff prayers where we're going into a moment of trouble and we need help right away. But as a natural, uh, usual course of prayer, we should begin with praise. And Keller said this off the cuff, and a, a lady went away and took this to heart. And a few weeks later, she came back, and she said, I've started spending time thinking about how good and how wise he is, and how many prayers of mine he's answered in the past. 
And when I get to my own needs, now I find I can put them in his hands. And I feel the burden coming off of me rather than on me. You know, I've said before, there's a kind of prayer that actually increases our anxiety because we're simply fixating on our problems, but we've said, dear Jesus first, and we call it prayer. But really all we're doing is thinking ourselves in circles. Praise gives us the ability to focus on who God is first and foremost. So the Psalms help us to praise God well. There are many different kinds of Psalms. There are lament Psalms. There are imprecatory Psalms. There are Psalms of history, Psalms that are designed to teach us. But one of the common kinds of psalms that we find is psalms of praise. In fact, the word psalms in Hebrews means praises. That's literally what it means. And so we find lots of these psalms that are used simply for the purpose of praising God. And so today we turn our attention to Psalm 100, which is perhaps the most famous of these praise psalms. Psalm 100 has been set to music in many different kinds of ways. It's been sung by Christians throughout Uh, history. In fact, this was one of the most well-used psalms by the Israelites after it was written. It's meant to give praise. That's the design of it. So we're going to read it. We're going to read it with joy, and then I'll make a few comments about it, and then we're going to practice praising God together. So Psalm 100 says this, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. So Psalm 100, the structure of it works like this. Verse 1 and 2 serve as a bit of a call to worship, an invitation to praise God together. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, the whole earth, all of creation is invited into this joyful worship and praise of God. Worship him with gladness. This is the attitude of our heart, an attitude of gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Note that word worship in verse 2. It could also be translated as, as the word serve. Serve the Lord with gladness, which reminds us that worship is not just something we sing or something that we say. It's something that we do in every area of life. Clinton McCann says this, worship is more than words. It's living under the direct sponsorship of God, which makes me think of, um, if you ever watch golf on TV, you know that these golfers are sponsored by a company, right? You think of Tiger Woods, what company do you think of? Well, if you've watched golf or you've seen Tiger Woods, you know he's got the Nike swoosh on his shirt and on his hat. This is the brand that he carries with him. He represents the company in the same way we're made in the image of God. We carry his imprint on us. And that means that everything we do is representing him. And people are forming impressions of who God is by watching what I do and what you do. We live under the direct sponsorship of God. We serve him with gladness. We worship him with our whole lives, not just with our words. Verse 3 is, uh, um, begins to be a description of why we ought to praise God. Verse 1 and 2 is a call to worship. Verse 3 serves as, these are some reasons why. Know that the Lord is God. The language here, the emphasis, is meant to show that the Lord is God alone. There is no other to, to be worshipped. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God is our creator and our sustainer. He cares for us as a shepherd cares for his sheep. 
and he is worthy of praise. Verse 4 is a, a reiteration of the call to worship. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And then more reasons why in verse 5, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That idea that the Lord is good is something that sometimes the psalmists wrestle with when they come up against the harsh realities of life. How is the Lord good even in the midst of this circumstance? And yet, if you read the Psalms, and you can flip through them and and see this for yourself, almost all of them end with either a vow to praise or a confession of trust. So even in a lament Psalm where it's saying, everything is going wrong and I don't understand, it ends with this idea that yet I will still praise you, or yet I confess I still trust in you, God. We see this theme over and over again. We see it in Psalm 100. And so praise ought to be the attitude of our heart and a common language as we begin prayer. So I didn't feel right about just preaching about praising God and then not actually practicing it together. So we're going to try something here, and I think it'll work uh, well in the online platform. So here's what I want you to do. If you're watching online and our live stream on Sunday morning, uh, some of you have told me that the chat is distracting for you, so you blow up the video so you can't see the chat. I want you to, to see the chat, and I want you to get your computer if you have to, or get your phone ready so that you can type in the chat. We're going to do an exercise together. If you're watching on YouTube later, I want you to, to pause the video now, grab a paper and a pen, and you can do this exercise uh, just on paper and pen, Uh, or maybe you could complete it afterwards. We're going to do an exercise that many people have done. We're going to go through the alphabet, A to Z, and we're going to praise God for certain attributes of his that begin with each of those letters. And I'm going to invite you to type along with us to suggest things uh, as we go through. I did this with my kids, eight eight years old and six years old uh, this week, and it was a lot of fun to hear what they said. So I'll give you some of their answers. And then I've uh, added some of my own, and then I cheated and went online and found even more. So I'm going to give you two or three on every letter here. Um, I want one more comment before we do this together. There's a difference between praise and thanks. It's a very subtle difference, and I might be splitting hairs too finely here. But praise focuses on who God is. Thanks often focuses on what God has done for me. So we will pray prayers of thanks, rightly so, uh, something like, Lord, thank you for giving me the strength to handle that difficult circumstance. Or, Lord, thank you for healing me of whatever disease that I had. These are prayers that we definitely should pray. If we're going to praise, we're going to actually take that specific thing and say, what attribute of God is this demonstrating to me? So we're going to say, God, thank you that you are a healer. Or, God, thank you that you are a provider, provider of strength or wisdom or whatever it might be. That's what we're trying to do mostly here as we praise God together, focusing on his attributes. So are you ready? You're going to have to type pretty fast. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on every letter, but uh, join in and uh, we'll, we'll uh, encourage one another and praise God together through this exercise. So we'll start with A. My kids shouted the word awesome right away. God is awesome. Uh, we might think that God is our anchor or God is an advocate for those who are oppressed. What other ones start with A? B, we uh, would say brave, or my daughter, she said, beware, Satan, which I thought was dramatic and cool. Uh, We might say that God is beautiful, or that he is a burden bearer. C, God is compassionate. God is our comforter. God is our companion. D, we praise God because he is delightful, that he's dependable, that he is our deliverer. The letter E, God is everlasting. He is an encourager and he is exalted. What about F? Are are you keeping up trying to get some of these letters? F, God is faithful. God is forgiving. 
God is a fortress. For G, we might praise God for his grace or for his generosity or that he is glorious. H, we might praise God for the gift of the Holy Spirit or for God's holiness or that he is a healer. I, we might say, God, you are incredible. Or God, you are imminent, which is a word that means that God is near to us. Or God, you are our instructor. For J, we might praise God for his justice. That was my son's suggestion, justice. Or for his joy, or that he is a judge. For K, we might say that God is kind. That he is king, or that he is our keeper. What about L? We, we might say God is love, or that God is a listener, or that God is our leader. We might praise God uh, on, the word, on the letter M for his mercy, that he is magnificent, that he is mighty. Uh, for N, my kids suggested he never tempts us, <laughs> which is true, or that he's near to us, or that he is our nurturer. For oh, we we my kids didn't didn't uh, suggest these ones. These are th- three large theological words: that God is omniscient, that He is all knowing, or that God is omnipotent, that He is all powerful, or that God is omnipresent, that He is everywhere. We praise God for those attributes. For P, we might praise God for His patience, or that He is our protector, or that He is pure. For Q, Q can be a little hard, can't it? My kids said he never quits. Or we might say that he's a quickener. He quickens our hearts to the knowledge of God. Or that he is quintessential. What about R? He renews us. He is perfect in righteousness. He is our rock. What about S? Type something down for the letter S. We might say that God is special or that God is sovereign or that God is our shield. For T, we might say that God is timeless, that he is trustworthy, that he is our teacher. (laughs) For the letter U, my daughter immediately said, you should believe in him. (laughs) Or he is unbeatable or he's unchangeable. V, we had a hard time with V, so I supplied a Latin word, which is kind of cheating, I guess. But veritas, that God is truth, or that God is valiant, or that God is victorious. W, God is wonderful, and God is so wise, and God is a warrior. X, this might be the hardest one of all, and people can sometimes add an E before and go excellent or something like that. Um, My kids, (laughs) they decided that the right answer here would be Xerxes' defeater, because we had just read the story of Esther the night before and King Xerxes, and so that's what we went with. Or the Greek word for Christ is Christos, which starts with an X. Maybe we could say that. Why? Yahweh, the Hebrew word for God, or maybe that God yearns for us. And then Zed. Zed can be hard as well. And so my daughter decided that zebra's creator was the answer to the letter Zed, which was creative. Or maybe we'd say that God is zealous. So there's the alphabet full of attributes of God. Let me ask you, how do you feel after we went through that? I know that after I've done that exercise, I feel calm. I feel at peace. I feel secure. 
Because my focus has been on who God is, not all of my problems. And if God is all of these things, then certainly God is, is capable of, of helping me in the midst of my problems and my chaos. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. You might want to do this exercise on your own where you have some more time to think about it. Or if you have kids in the house, maybe you want to do it together with them. It might be a fun family exercise. And then we want to turn these things into prayer. Or maybe you need to spend time praising God in song. And so instead of on your drive to work, instead of listening to, to the news or that podcast, maybe this week you want to praise God through some worship music. Maybe you need to get out into nature and just see how God reveals himself in the beauty of creation and see how God is so creative that he is the best and the most glorious. How else do you praise God? What comes naturally to you? What turns your heart towards the beauty and majesty of God? Do that this week. Maybe it's reading through the Psalms and the praise Psalms and just letting the, the psalmist give us language to praise God. Because God is ultimately worthy of our praise, and it is due to him. So we're going to pray together, and then we're going to sing a couple of songs as we close today with this idea of praising him through our singing. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the best, the greatest. You are worthy of our praise. You are ultimate. And in the midst of our struggles and our challenges, that's such an encouragement to us, that, that you are so powerful so beyond us, so high and above anything that we've experienced here on earth. So Father, draw our hearts into praise. May this attitude and language of praise be natural to us, to become more natural to us, to ascribe to you the glory that you're due. And as we do so, would we be just reminded of the peace that you give and the help that you offer. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.